0: you're listening to the josh trains me podcast yo 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 check check
1: check check
0: hey what's that like let's check that out check 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 let's it's roll like man was, it's, it's good to like see this you. was
2: planned yeah, it's good to see you too
0: i was just reading you caught me at a good time <laughs> actually you're next to the wedge i talked to hey, him yeah he's the easiest guy to get a hold of for an author is he Yeah, I've messaged him on Instagram. He gets back to me, like, within an hour sometimes. Oh, that's good.
2: Cool. It's
0: funny, because it's, like, sometimes it's a little controversial. But yeah, I did message him about doing a forward for a buck, and he he ended up getting back to me, being like, I can't do it. It doesn't make enough sense based on what he has going on, which I thought was pretty cool. He got back to me. Yeah. He's a good writer. Nice. So I'm not going to give you a big intro, but – um. It's good to have you here, man. I'm happy to see you too.
2: Yes, thank you. I like your shirt, <laughs> I like yours even more.
0: <laughs> do you actually do you like the colors better? I think so. Yeah, I was yeah, pretty happy. To... It's a, I was pretty happy. It's a good combo. Yeah, find your flow. Um, tell me how, tell me about this course. You just finished the PN level two.
2: Yeah, well, I'm finishing up, I'm in the last two weeks of it, so I mean all we're talking about in the last two weeks is, is um, about just how you kind of set up your business plan for the future and everything. So all of the, all of the nutrition and and coaching aspects are for the most part done now.
0: Right. And then you, you'd obviously done PN level one before that. So what was, what were some of the major differences going into this one?
2: So I'm sure there's a lot of differences from when I did pn1 like i actually i've got i think the very original it's right here actually the the very original pn textbook uh i did the course back in 2012 right almost 10 years ago and i think that the second part i mean i don't even remember the second part all that well but it was mostly on the coaching component and the first half was was nutrition and really you know I was doing that course alongside the final year of nutrition in university so Mm. it was for the purpose of of taking what I had been learning nutrition science wise and applying it to clients and coaching because where where I got my degree it's mostly a research-based style of of So it's not as, it's not as practical or or it's not as applied to, to coaching clients. So I wanted to, you know, continue the education with, with the PN course and uh, with, with um, everything that John Berardi's done, he is the person that inspired me to get into nutrition in the first place, really back when I was Mm. first learning about fitness and health. And I was reading articles on T Nation, yeah. And yeah. it was John. It was John Vararity's articles that hmm. were. I think we're gonna lose my camera here in a second because the dogs are uh, hitting sure. the tripod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so John, John Berardi was. I, I really liked his articles and what he had to say, not only about training but the nutrition side of it, inspired me to to dive deeper into that because i realized how important that was to the the health and fitness you know landscape
0: totally and at that time you were still like peak or getting into your peak for strongman right
2: uh that was before i even discovered strongman 2012 i i guess that's when no if if that's when i did pn2 i guess that's the first year that i started That was the first
0: year, right? Okay.
2: Okay. It had been one year, yeah. So, okay, maybe I did PN two, or maybe I did PN one around like January. So I'd been, I'd been in strongman for three or four months at that time.
0: That's it. Okay, so I met you right around that time then.
2: Yeah. More. Well, actually,
0: um, I I met you when you had finished the PN.
2: I think so because. I finished it before I graduated from university and right. I didn't meet you till after I moved back to Peterborough after okay. I was done school. Totally. Then. So yeah. it was probably a few months after I finished that. Yeah. That level one of the coaching. Right. And, and then, yeah, this past year I've been doing the, the level two coaching program, which was a full year of curriculum. That was, it, it, it was a lot and it was, I I thought it was a good thing to kind of, you know, embark upon to, to kind of go at that pace and do it week by week, learning everything that is involved in it.
0: So what were, what were some of the major takeaways? I'm almost done PN level one. It's taken me about, six years too i like to spread stuff <laughs> way out once every two yeah. months do a do a lesson but no i'm back in the saddle for that like i'd mentioned to you you sort cool. of shocked me into that but uh what are some of the main takeaways that you've kind of learned from this <clears throat> pn level two
2: really there's there's a couple of core components to the, the pn philosophy around coaching and a lot of it has to do with Basing your your coaching and basing whether it's nutrition or anything else with health, like precision nutrition's gotten much more into the concept of deep health, and nutrition's just one aspect or or physical health is just one aspect of the deep health dimensions. So it's it's all about client client-centric, right? So it's all about doing and and testing what's going to work for your client, not what you think is best for them. You may have some guidance because you've got more knowledge, presumably in a lot of areas, but it's, it's really guiding them on their own journey. Mm. And that's, that's the core to the philosophy, you know, with that comes a lot about the change process and how we go through the different steps of change and also kind of recognizing, well, is is something working for you along that change process or is it not working? That's another thing that is really important is the whole outcome-based decision-making. So is this working? If not, how can we change it so that we can keep moving forward? And if it is working, then that's great. Can we do more of it? Or is it time to add something else into the mix To continue to see progress.
0: And isn't that like, isn't that like such a, an important part of uh, the stages of goal setting too? Like you set the goals and then, you know, you're working on the goals and not everything you, we work towards is not every action is going to actually be the right step or maybe the most efficient or the most effective or the one that you thought was the most effective or efficient. It's like, yeah, totally checking in and reflecting on that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, part of that client centric part of it and part of the whole the whole journey of it is it's okay if things don't go perfectly, if you do need to make changes and don't get too upset about that. That's, you know, this this course, as much as it was actually, it it really was not a whole lot of nutrition, in my opinion. As much as it's all about change change psychology and and how to you know help people make change and so growth mindsets also a really important aspect of that and understanding that you know there's something to be learned from failure and it's not the end of the world and don't get too fixed in if things aren't working you know you can still figure out ways to, to get around that.
0: Are you hoping to be taking on clients for, uh, for this type of coaching?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, good. I've been working with clients this entire year, thankfully, which has been really helpful with applying what I'm learning. And oh, good. We've been working, okay. so we've, we've been working through that and, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'd be going along with the different practices from the curriculum Other times it would be more about what they were working on at that time. And it's kind of snowballed from there. So I've got a couple of clients that I've been working with, you know, consistently now. And um, of course, not only did I do the the PN level two, but in the midst of that, they Precision Nutrition launched their sleep stress management and recovery course. And so I kind of took that upon as well this past three or four months. Um, just because that's an important aspect of, well, really with all of the clients that we're seeing in, in the fitness world, but also especially the clients that I see with flow spa, because that's kind of our, our main thing is, you know, stress management and, and, uh, different ways to, to do that.
0: Right. And that ties in so nicely owning a, owning a a flow spa with float tanks and a, and a cold tub and a hot tub. and asana and norm attack and having a massage therapist it's like all of those things are so obviously recovery based that that yeah. course you took makes so much sense too eh? yeah it's
2: uh i mean i i to some extent recognize the value of recovery during my strongman days i think that we can always do better recovery wise but it's also just uh it, it's it's still underappreciated And so I think it's, it's kind of a core part of my, my mission to help people understand the importance of recovery and, and what that actually looks like.
0: Let's, let's get into that because I know for sure, you know, I'm, I've been interested in that for a long time as well, but I know I'm really curious to see maybe if there's new metrics or new ways to look at it that you've learned that have sort of helped you shift your, your process. I, I wouldn't
2: say... I wouldn't say that there's necessarily new metrics. Um, I think I saw, I think I saw the aura ring on your finger there and there you go. One of the, it's one of the, one of the so, big ones. So uh, <laughs> um, there's, I think the key, the key takeaway from, I mean, really from the, the other PN course that I just completed and, something that's important to think about is that recovery depends on where the stressors are coming from mostly in your life. So there's not really one sweet spot for recovery. There's, there's a whole bunch of them and it all depends on what's causing you the most stress that you should probably focus on and dial in. Um, with that being said, Precision nutrition considers the the gold standard of recovery to be sleep, which is hard to argue with. Sleep is super important. Uh things things like the aura ring can help with getting a better sense of what's going on with your sleep, but that's also sometimes not that necessary if somebody's just getting started, you know, if they're not needing to really optimize their sleep they just need better sleep sometimes worrying too much about that it's actually just like we talk about um in the nutrition world there's the concept of orthorexia like getting too obsessed with what you're eating and and you know counting macros and and all of that man sometimes
0: I, i call it the counting almond syndrome
2: <laughs> that too, right? Like if you have to measure out three or four almonds as the <laughs> serving size, that's yeah. that can become a stressor to people. And similarly, if we track too much with our sleep, the idea of orthosomnia, where we're obsessed, hyper obsessed about what's going on in our sleep, can mm. also become a bit of an, you know, a bit of an issue for people that tend towards that. But there's also good things about tracking sleep if you are um, wanting to dive into a little more objective data. So that's, um, that's one of the key points, you know, with the aura ring and everything is the idea of, of objective versus subjective data. And I think there's really key value to both of those things, getting better at how are you feeling subjectively, you know, asking yourself the questions. I always like to use my bullet journal and track, like I basically have a graph of the month that shows how my sleep was each night subjectively. So that's, it's like a question I ask myself first thing in the morning is how was my sleep um, and how was my energy level for the day? So you get this subjective measurement graph, which is the probably the easiest starting point. I'd, I'd say do that. And then most people also have like an Apple watch or something which also can do some sleep tracking, or if you've got an aura ring or a whoop band or anything, then you can look at some of those objective measurements from those devices and kind of start to get a bigger picture and also tie those two things together to really get clear on, on what's going on, or maybe where you can make some adjustments to improve whether it's sleep or recovery and other aspects. And, uh, Going back to the whole thing about, I don't think that there's any new magic to recovery. I still think there's two things that are good to look at. The one we can do without fancy devices, which is just look at what your resting heart rate is, you know, first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. and, you know, a sign of good recovery or a sign of being stressed is how your heart rate is trending. An even better measurement that most research suggests is looking at HRV. So that's one of the great things with you know wearing an aura ring or the Apple Watch can do it too. And HRV is heart rate variability, which basically means, you know, there's our, our heart rate, we kind of think of it as the 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 looking at the EKG, you know, the consistent spikes at whatever the the pulse is or the beats per minute. But In actuality, there's millisecond differences between each of those heartbeats and a higher HRV means that there's a higher variability in those differences. So you actually have like, you know, two closer together heartbeats and then it's out a bit more, which basically is an indication that our parasympathetic nervous system is active. When we have a very tight HRV or very tight, like the frequent or the, the interbeat differences, right, is really tightly close together. That's a sign that our sympathetic act- nervous system is is overactive, or at least it's it's currently active. But if it's when we're in a resting state, that suggests that we are in a you know overstressed or under recovered state because we're not engaging the parasympathetic parasympath- nervous system.
0: Right. Yeah. So you're saying HRV becomes a good metric versus resting heart rate. I remember hearing about resting heart rate when I was looking up these metrics before about resting heart rate will commonly decrease by about, there's up to like 5% discrepancies or drops. If I think it's, if volume is too high and there's a, I I, I'm going to get training training volume. Yeah. And then it could be 5% higher if the intensity is too high, something like that. And then oh, also was, there, okay. there can also so be a drop saying, obviously as you're getting more conditioned too. So that's partly why it's a little bit confusing and not a super clear metric, right. From what you're saying.
2: Yeah. It's, um, <clears> throat> it's, throat> it's, it's oh, I just it's right. not as, um, I, I think that there's ways that we can, I mean, I mean our resting heart rate could really quickly be manipulated you know, if you've had, if, if you've, you know, had coffee first or something, or if you had to go up the stairs and then you sat down to measure it. Like, I think there's a lot of ways that the resting heart rate could be more difficult to consistently look at, or even something like if, if your alarm startles you in the morning or the dog start barking or, or they want to get it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Could really quickly like make that, but it's still a great starting point for if you do want some objective data to look at in terms of how you're recovering or like what your stress re- levels are at currently.
0: Yeah, it's free and it's easy and it's quick. And like, yeah, I guess for anyone listening, it is important to check your heart rate, resting heart rate first thing in the morning. So you were saying things like coffee can affect it. it's like, if you are going that route and you're not doing a wearable and you really want to know, it's probably best to do it first thing, like literally in bed, yeah, check yeah. the pulse and even write it down. Can you can you talk a little bit more about this bullet journal? I mean, I've, I've heard yeah. you talk about it quite a bit, but how does that structure and how does it work into a graph?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know if mine's handy. So I'll um, use your imagination. I'll... <laughs> yeah, for sure, but we'll maybe I'll send some pictures that you can include in the show notes or something. Um, so a, a bullet journal is just dot grid paper. I mean, it, it's called a bullet journal because the the guy that sort of invented the whole bullet journal concept calls it that, but it's it's simply just paper that's got dots instead of like actual like graphs or line paper. Right. So it makes it a very flexible type of notebook. You can, Mm. you can draw in it without the the lines interrupting your drawings. It's very easy to also make things that are are graph-like. So I have a sort of spread that I do each month that has on the one page, a list of every single day. And beside that, I have my habit tracker because I find that things, for example, like whether I took my like fish oil and green supplement in the morning, the best way for me to actually stick to that and tried and true is, is just to write it on paper. And so I use a paper habit tracker. It works better than any app possible for me. And so that's how I do it. And on the second page is what I like to keep track of is just a simple graph of a few metrics of subjective data. So as I mentioned, I normally track my energy level for the day and also my sleep level or what I how well I slept. Um, And the energy level one is something I think we've talked about in the past. But when I went to that seminar with Tony Robbins, Mm -hmm. he talked about the whole concept of like, where's your energy level at, and how important that is. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I started tracking that was, he he sort of used the analogy uh, of saying, well, you wouldn't go and you wouldn't aspire to date a five or a six on a 10 scale. So why are you acting like that on a daily basis? And so, you know, seeing where your energy level at to me is really important to Mm. just performing your best. So if you notice it's off, if you're subjectively scaling yourself at a five or a six, Mm -hmm. maybe you just had one bad night of sleep, or maybe you've been sick. But if that becomes a a longer term kind of that's where you rank yourself out of your absolute best potential Mm -hmm. then you want to kind of start to question how you can make some changes
0: right versus like convincing yourself of like i'm at a five like i need to change or i should be feeling better or you know trying to trying to like mask it
2: yeah i i don't i think that um I don't know. It's sort of like a, you could kind of look at it both ways. Right. I, I think that it's just, it's helpful as a way to almost, um, you know, push yourself on a daily basis to just be as, as maybe not your very, very best, like a 10 out of 10 all the time, but like you should strive to be eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 in your daily actions as much as possible.
0: That's legit, man. That comes up a lot with, with parenting too. Like, you know, it's one thing when I'm, you know, working out or like trying to be productive doing work, but like it really matters the most when I'm with Sorrel. And like, if I feel like I'm truly at a low number, like, I feel like absolute garbage, like about it. I'm like, so I need to, that's, that's totally a point where I would support what you're saying. And like, you know, I might feel kind of low, but like, let's bring it up a bit. Like, let's really try to work on, for me, right. I'm yeah. not, this isn't like an announcement for parents for sure, but yeah. Yeah. For it me actually, it elevated yeah. a little bit.
2: Yeah. And two things actually that I think are important to note with that. I, I no longer because some, so I have sleep apnea. I don't always have the best sleep. That's kind of why I'm interested in different, whether it's taking courses on, on sleep or understanding stress and recovery. Cause like, Recovery is super important to me because I just realized like I kind of unfortunately am at a deficit with sleep, regardless of if I'm sleeping eight and a half or nine hours a night, it's still not always going to be the best. Right. So I've learned not to like give myself my energy score or my, my rank for the day first thing in the morning always, Mm, because, you know, it can sometimes take a little bit to get going for the day. Similarly, like you could also look at it as something you would track at the end of the day, because maybe it is the instances in your life, whether it's parenting or at work, or you've got a competition you're preparing for. So in the gym is really where you want to be at your absolute best. And so base it off of that, because those are the things that are bringing the most meaning to you. And so that's kind of also another way to look at it rather than just kind of, you, you know, if you started the day and you're like, oh, today's I, I didn't sleep well. I'm giving myself a five first thing in the mm-hmm. morning and you treat yourself like a five throughout the day. Like, right. It's it's um, you're priming yourself in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's that's super consistent with like how we approach with clients to for training, right? It's common. Like if you don't feel very good, it's like still, you know, start the warm up, and like yeah. after ten minutes, if you still feel like an absolute bag, then at home and do <laughs> do something different. Go to Flow Spa and like get some put get some actual recovery modalities in. Hit the sheets, whatever. But yep. if you're like I, but usually it is out of the way. So you might you know wake up, give yourself some time, and you're still like, ooh, I'm a five or six. That's not awesome. Then you start a warm up, and you do feel better too. So then, and then half the time, or probably I'd say much more than half the time, you go into the workout anyway, and you end up feeling much better after. So you're yeah. right. That subjective gauge is not necessarily the best way to like steer your life, eh?
2: Yeah. But an- another interesting thing about that, as we are sort of planning for this this podcast episode and and it's I've definitely seen this too with looking at HRV and those objective numbers I was listening to that podcast you sent me with Andy Galpin that was on the muscle intelligence podcast and he was talking about how quickly people can you know boost HRV just through doing some things you know it could be just like breathing he actually used the, another he used another tony robbins example of like the jumping on the mini trampoline right things yeah, like that does. that can actually spike your state really quickly is also why it's um it's important not to kind of preemptively grade yourself at a lower level than you know you could otherwise
0: be Right. And, you know, we don't need to go on a tangent, but I mean, you're also certified in Wim Hof and, you know, we've, we've both been down those rabbit holes quite a bit. That's essentially the same thing, isn't it? That's essentially another time to be like, you know, maybe not feeling super, super awesome, but I'm going to do some powerful breathing and you, you always feel better after that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think uh, I I completed the fundamentals course, but I don't think that designates me as certified. So I better be careful so that, yeah, so that I don't get in trouble by whim.
0: <laughs> That's true, yeah, because his, uh, his minions are searching for people that are hacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better not say anything false about him. Yeah. Um, oh, let's get into uh, your... Well, check out the shirts, number one. I mean, we're wearing <laughs> the same shirts, find your flow, right? That's right. These are sweet. I
2: think, yeah.
0: Um, I want to know from you, RJ... Why, like, what are, what are we missing by not maybe tapping into a flow state? Like, why is it important?
2: So let's actually even tie that into what we were just talking about with the, the sort of how you're looking at a daily energy scale, at least to me, I find, I find that flow state is where we derive a lot of meaning in our life. So it is, it is one of the transcendent or peak states of experience that we can be in. And, you know, in, in psychological terms, the, the, the state of flow or flow state, some people may know it as like in the zone or in the pocket. Like it's, it's what athletes often are. It's, it's why we're often drawn to athletes. And also these sort of action and adventure sports where we're seeing these amazing feats happen. So I think there, there are a lot of other, you know, peak experiences. It could be mind meditation, sort of an altered state that's sometimes similar to flow, but also different. Um, there's things like awe and and sort of that like you know, more spiritual like union with with the universe. Mm-hmm. And flow is kind of unique in that it requires effort, but it's also felt as effortless when you actually reach that really, you know, core of the flow state. So there's a lot of deliberate action that's required to it. And you can't just like, even though it, the, the idea is sometimes counterintuitive because people think of just go with the flow, but It also requires, you know, clear goals. It requires immediate feedback to the situation. It requires a level of challenge and your skill level to be at a certain point before you can actually reach this heightened peak state. And Mm. then you start to lose sense of time. You start to get that feeling that things are effortless, even though it is requiring a lot of effort. And It's it's just uh, I mean, yeah, it's where you do get a lot of growth and a lot of meaning in in these moments in our lives. And so that's why I think when whether we're talking about the workplace or whether we're talking about our hobbies outside of work, finding some time to spend in flow each and every day, like to me, is sort of the key to the meaning of it all.
0: So how do, we, how do we get into this flow state if we're not sure? What are some sort of like simple steps to sort of identify where we might be more inclined to get into that?
2: Yeah, uh, so I mean, something that I've realized more and more over time is, you know, I love talking about flow and informing kind of the, the keys to it, how to get into the state everybody's probably, everybody's experienced it in their life. And, and sometimes when it really clicks is when you start to realize like, this is something that you want to stick with, whether it's a hobby or Mm -hmm. it's, it's work. It's not, it's not always even about passion. It's just about progress and Mm -hmm. trying to get better at whatever you're doing. So that's, that's where some of the you know, initial research and Mihaly sent Mihai, the the psychologist who originally coined the term flow. You, you nailed his ta- name. You nailed uh, it always. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I know how to spell it perfectly too. <laughs> That's legit. That's um, a
0: feat. Anyway, continue. <laughs> it
2: is. Um, so he talked about things being autotelic, meaning you're deriving pleasure from them, not some external circumstances, mm. and. The other more more modernly, we talk about the triggers for flow and there's a whole bunch of them. It could be things like improv in groups, you know, saying yes and continuing on the conversation. That's why I think podcasts are really cool because they often flow really well as long as you keep it going. But Mm -hmm. we probably listen to some where things kind of get chopped, right? Like Joe Rogan interrupts the guest and says something really abrupt that like, causes it all to unravel mm-hmm. if you kind of keep going with it things like that can happen there are actually a lot of triggers in group settings so that's something to maybe pay attention to as well is you know maybe it's not something you're doing individually but as a group that you're really finding is is something that draws you to flow but mm. so i've been thinking a lot about the ones that we can actually affect that get us into flow with Mm -hmm. pretty much anything that we're doing versus the ones that are kind of, um, innate in things. So we can't always, you know, people aren't always drawn to whitewater rafting or going surfing or, you know, skydiving, things like that, that have, you know, innately some of these triggers for flow states because the risk is really high or the novelty is there you know, we, we can sometimes affect things like novelty in, in, but in, when it comes to our work or when it comes to like our, our everyday life, things are often more mundane. They're often the same, but the things that we can affect are pushing our skill level a little bit more. So Mm. we're doing things slightly above our, our competency level. And that will, push us you know if we go too far it becomes something that's frustrating and makes us anxious but on the other end if we're not pushing ourselves enough we're in a state of boredom and you know that that can be the challenge often with work right like people are bored so they're on facebook or they're not engaged deeply in their work but if you try to do things and, and so let's talk about clear goals for a second too with that. Yeah. If if you set those clear goals, you can find flow in your work very easily or in your hobbies too. So it could, I think like a, an easy example is like work and it could be like desk work or something. Um, even a lot of the times in the original research on flow, it wasn't about these these um action and adventure sports athletes because those things were still very fringe up until like the 90s and that was past like the the like flow really started in the late 70s and 80s yeah. and so he was looking at people that were working on assembly lines and the ones that were ranking their subjective experience of life as really high were the ones that were trying to do their job a little bit faster each time or with a little more precision. And so clear goals, like make things very tangible as to how you're going to do things a bit better in progress is, is a big one. I think another looking at, you know, one of the, one of the ones that's also important is the value of immediate feedback, because if we're you know, if we're going way off track on, on things, then sometimes it could lead to injury. Like weightlifting is a good example of immediate feedback, I think. So if we're looking at something like weightlifting or any sort of like strength sport, you can either have a coach, which is super valuable for getting immediate feedback. And this is why coaching is actually really important for flow as well, but you can also Pull out your phone and record video of yourself, and very quickly you can kind of look at and get feedback. Or after, after, afterwards, right? So right. that's why like athletes look at their game tapes and study their game tapes to get that immediate feedback, so that when they go and practice again, they're trying to push their skill skill level with where they were messing up a little bit to try to get right. a bit better. Right. Or if they're doing something really well, maybe doubling down on that too.
0: Hmm. What, what are some examples and uh, yeah, keep going with that. Keep going.
2: Yeah, no, those, those are kind of the, some of the main ones as far as um, what I think that we can actually directly impact versus just the things that trigger flow because of, because they are things that like kind of push us into that realm as well. Right. So those are the ones that I'm kind of super interested in right now.
0: Yeah, that's cool. There's a, a lot of what you said when it starts tying in the goal setting. I mean, I, it's hard to even understand where I've gotten some of the concepts from. It's probably a bit of a, like a smorgasbord from different, I'm sure Huberman's been part of it. Grant Cardone's been part of it. It's been like different, different realms, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of the same, a lot of the same stuff. And it touches like really nicely on what you're talking about with flow, like clearly defined goals. We talked about it even in the beginning of this podcast, like some type of feedback or reflection. Yeah, um, yeah. There's some other stuff with the goal setting, but these are the exact same principles.
2: Yeah, totally. I think that's also, you know, the the PN2 course being essentially a cor- course on, on coaching and change psychology. Like all of these things are essentially you you can you can wrap whatever terms or or you can brand them wh- however you want mm-hmm. but it's all essentially the same part of the process right and and so that's why that's why there is so much commonality amongst different researchers or different speakers in the field on things there may be a few tips and tricks like here or there that are different but it also it ultimately comes down to the same process
0: Yeah. Legit. I'm even thinking like how similar when you start thinking of like, um, coaching programs with some type of pillar, right. Or deep, deep health and PN. Like I I looked over the pillars that I created and they're they're the exact same as most other things like stress is part of it. Sleep, nutrition, movement, hydration, breath, work mindset. Like usually there's not anything completely fucking different than that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, like I, I like the deep health concept. But looking at it, you could, you could spin it a million different ways. And one of the cool things actually with the course was they even suggest they were one of the lessons that talked about the deep health framework, the six pillars of, of health. Um, mm-hmm. And briefly, just so that anybody that's curious, the ones that precision nutritions kind of like started to gravitate towards, like they used to call it the web of life. And I actually forget what the different components there are. They're very similar, but the six deep health ones are physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, or existential. It's kind of like the same thing. And then social relational. And then the final one is environmental. So those are the six that they say that your health consists of. And they ask they ask like in one of the the assignments like how what what's missing from here that you would put in differently and and so um yeah it's everybody that talks about goals and talks about life coaching or whatever has their own kind of framework and they're they're all very similar you may spin them differently um even before I did this course, right? Like I had mine, it was the hero's ring, which mm-hmm. was this the six. I think I actually, I had eight components to your life in that one. And, uh, and they were all very similar, but they had a little more like adventure to them. So right. I use things, I use <laughs> terms like, <laughs> I use terms like tribe instead of, um uh, like right. the, the relational aspect.
0: Right, man. Speaking of tribe, that, that book, you got me to second mountain. I've been I've gone back to that a couple times now and like, that is such a good book. Yeah. Like it is such a good book. And the, the way in the back, uh, I think it's, I think the book is pretty much done, but there's a section in the back where he's sort of like explaining the terminology a little bit more. It's almost a bit like a glossary, I think. Right. Maybe not, not a glossary, but it's more like, here's what the concepts are. And he talks about tribe and how, um, how some like, tribe is not necessarily tribe is a little bit more associated with like individualism, I think, because it's, there's a bit more like segregation of other tribes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, fuck, that makes so much sense. So I even started to think about like the etymology of some of these words, right. When I'm bringing them into my own language with coaching or even in my own life. And I'm like, right. So the fact that you said tribe there just sort of sparked that in me. And I was like, that would have been a word I totally used before but yeah. not not revolutionary by any means, but now I'm trying to be more conscious of the word community because that's really what I feel like I want to have in my life. Not so much a tribe.
2: Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's true. I um, I, I need to go back to that book again. I just finished the one that he wrote before that, The Road to Character. I just finished reading that. Mm. And it's kind of, I think it's it, it's more about this by is it's more about biographies of a few key characters in in history that portray these second mountain virtues. So the okay. second mountain kind of is how you would apply it to your own life a little bit more. And also, mm-hmm. I know it's it's kind of autobiographical. He's talking about how he's sort of found this second mountain path, and the first book that that spurred that all is is the Road to Character. So I just. I actually mm-hmm. just finished that and it made me want to go back and reread the second mountain.
0: Yeah. Uh, honestly, one of the best books I've read. And I like, that was, that was perfect. Uh, I'm like, I remember the day you gave that to me. I was like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're going to like this book. And I'm like, yeah, it's like <laughs> one of the best books I've ever read. Thanks man. It, yeah,
2: just, it, he's, yeah. he's such a good writer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's true. What, uh, what else have you been reading lately? That's been particularly beneficial.
2: So, I mean, honestly, like I have not been reading a ton because my course has daily lessons to read. So I've been right. making sure that I finish up strong and, and retain and learn and practice that as much as possible. But what else have I been reading? I've, I'm curr- re- i currently reading Hook Point by Brendan Keene. He's, uh, mm. he's kind of like a, a social media expert and it's it's just essentially talking about how you can grab people's attention in the first 3 seconds because if you don't you've already lost them yeah so <laughs> you know it's it's something that's interesting to like i do a lot of marketing stuff too so it's yeah it's uh, and 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 things like youtube videos we want to grab the attention if we've got something important to talk about and so learning that first Three, five, 10 seconds of the hook of the video is super important. So I've just gotten started in that one and it's really good. Um, I actually just listened to him on the Finding Mastery podcast because nice. I didn't realize he he was talking about it in the book. So I was like, I've probably listened to that a couple of years ago, but I don't remember it. So I actually listened to that this morning and it was a great conversation too.
0: Had you listened to it before? I
2: think so. I mean, it came out in 2018 and I listened mm. to so many podcasts that sometimes I forget. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get better at that because, you know, that's kind of a key there is if you're forgetting everything that you listen to, you're probably just washing it away with more stuff.
0: Man, you, I, you're like such a person to sort of aim for like the way you can speak <laughs> and like remember and organize content in your like brain and in your life is so incredible. I remember like we've talked a lot about books and you talk about like how much you read, like before you were involved in two additional courses and it was always so impressive. Like just like how much you're remembering, but it's, I think it's mainly, you know, you're a smart guy, all this stuff, but it's also because you had a system of it. You're not just reading and then like grabbing the next book, right? Like you're, you're intentional to a new kind of level. Try to. Yeah. They're not perfect. (laughs) Hard to be intentional about every single thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: No, I I think eh? like, I think more and more, like even, you know, mentioning like the second mountain I've, I've almost tried to get to a point where about a quarter of what I read is rereading something that I've already read Mm. just because if it's really good, it's probably worth going back and getting even better at it. And so I've been doing that. Um, And to say that I'm reading a bit less, it's kind of funny because I think I still read about a book a week, but um, it feels like I'm reading less. <laughs>
0: right. And it might be less than you used to, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember you used to freaking just crush books for breakfast. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy, man. You know what? I learned I learned a lot of good. Uh, I learned, a, I wouldn't say a lot, but I didn't have a lot of information about reading so much like going through like high school and a guy, I was a guy that didn't really read too much. Like, I liked oh, yeah. reading, but I would be like a couple pages and then I'd be out for whatever reason, you know, probably partly um, attention span and just interest and in not having much practice of it. But I learned a pretty good chunk from, from, uh, Ty Lopez about reading. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I really appreciate that because there's not a lot of people that I've come across that are in like a mentor role that tr- like truly talk about reading. Like, I know That's Warren Buffett reads a lot, but it's like, that's cool um yeah like but it just seems like it's just you know so simple and then so distant at the same time but like one thing i liked about what ty lopez uh talked about and and i do this is like i'll grab a book like whatever say this one here and uh (laughs) (laughs) and instead of i mean this is maybe not a good example because i would read this start to finish this is like you know (laughs) sequential but uh this is from by rj kaiser if anyone's uh, watching this. this is a book he wrote that I I was reading during the just before the twenty four hour locked and loaded challenge. Oh yes, there's footage of me reading it before I go in there. So that's a great book. But uh, maybe another example is like grabbing a book and finding a chapter that you find interesting, or yeah. on a topic that you that you like, and just going after that, like not having to read start to finish, or you're you know you're failing, or you're not reading. It's like just it's pick true. what you want, man. We have short lives. I mean, we get a stoic philosophy, right? You're a big studier of that. It's like, just read what you want. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I try to do that a little bit more as well, but I'm definitely somebody that's like a, a cover to cover person for the most part.
0: Yeah. But you're fast enough that it's like you're cover to cover in like a few days, whereas some people say cover to cover, it takes them three years to finish a book.
2: I don't think it's, it's not like I'm speed reading or anything. It's just that I actually, no, I'm, I'm not like a super fast reader. I've tried that in the past and I just don't like it. Uh, it's, Hmm. it's actually, it's the same thing that Ryan holiday talks about. He's not a fast reader either, but he reads a ton of books. It's really just like setting aside the time to read.
0: He enjoys it and you enjoy reading. Yeah. What about, um, so we're talking about stress metrics, kind of getting into flow, what what are some kind of like uncommon things about how stress affects our body so kind of what did maybe like what are some interesting things because there's you know there's a lot of information around about stress and i do want to say you you'll definitely agree with me but and if you have any insight on this but stress being painted as like a purely negative thing it's like stress is needed and required in order for us to adapt like training is a very simple example we're training you know whether we're training for strength or endurance or to get more muscle or or even to lose fat like there's stress happening to our body and it's about adapting to that stress right so stress yeah, is yeah super totally necessary so,
2: so i mean another concept that comes up a lot in terms of stress and and was part of the core of like that that pn course is is about developing resilience mm. And I think, um, there's a little bit of it that in the 21 mindset challenges too. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if we don't have, if we don't have any if we don't have any stress in our life, we also don't have any resilience and that could once again, come from any of those aspects of the deep health dimensions. So, um, the, the clear, obvious ones would be things like training. And if you give yourself too much stress, it's it's the same, I think, looking at it from where stress came from. And it's really, you know, it, it's it's something that's that's been a part of human nature for as long as humans have been around, right? As a way to react to threats in the environment. And normally that looks like, a very short-term thing whether it's running away from a mountain lion or two pit bulls that are fighting in the corner over there (laughs) so i'm just waiting for them to activate the stress of everybody listening when they bark and it blasts the microphone yeah i can't Um, wait (laughs) so (laughs) stress, we we've evolved to handle stress in very like short acute bursts so that we can either fight or flee from a situation. And, and that's also how we can look at it in terms of, of any other thing. So if you look at it in terms of training, you know, if you give yourself those acute bursts of stress and you push yourself your skill level a little bit further, then you have something to adapt to, but that recover that requires recovery Mm -hmm. in order to improve. If you don't, if you don't give yourself recovery, then you're just leading yourself to either sub-maximal progress or, you know, that could lead to being like in a burnt out or like overtrained state as well. Right. And that depends on all six of these dimensions or whatever, however you want to look at your own life wheel. It -hmm. depends on all of these things. So each person's got a unique sort of capability and it's totally dependent on each stage of life. Like if you've got like, you know, a toddler versus a new business versus none of that, or if you're, you know, later on in years, then it's, it's all a unique fingerprint to, how these other aspects also play into it that's important to take into account Mm. and uh and so yeah stress stress is important giving ourselves like like you know a little bit more of a dose to tolerate and that could be in many different forms it could be through like cold plunges or it could be through um yeah so so many different things right like that can lead us to build up a little more resilience so that when things become even harder to handle, we, we can bounce back from it quicker.
0: So how do we build, how do we best build resilience?
2: And so we, you know, it, it's, it comes down to also where we're facing the stress in our life. So that answer looks totally different if we're talking about physical training versus if we're talking about handling, you know, social stress, or if we're trying to build up resilience, um, you know, existentially even. Mm. So each one has its own unique styles to building resilience. And it all comes down to like those practices that that's, that's why, like, that's why precision nutrition. And that's why, uh, this deep health concept so important because it's not, um, I mean, we, we both love David Goggins for, for his level of, you know, just getting after it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's an example of just physical, like building up, you know, physical resilience in a lot of ways, but, does that actually answer the question in terms of like social or rel- relational resilience? Like, is that going to help him if he's in the middle of like a fight w- with not not like a physical fight necessarily, but like mm. you know um, like a conversation, a crucial conversation with somebody that you know is he going to be able to you know be resilient there, or is he going to break down? let's not pick on david goggins anymore about that but don't be so hard on him man (laughs) you know um same same thing like um just because we're we're building ourselves up physically to be more resilient whether it's handling more weight or um or even like our, our our immune system handling like sickness is not the same thing as being able to handle you know more demanding mental tasks
0: right that's that's a good that's a good like real sort of recent you know we're all talking about immune system a little bit more maybe the last two years but one question i was going to ask you because i don't i don't know the answer to this and i think it would be you know psychology intersecting with some other type of science but there's certainly a big the way i see it i'm wondering if you see it this way too there's certainly a big shift where people like me and people that train for something, I think we see training as this like real um, transferability, like this transferability of skills. So that's why I'm really interested when you, as soon as you brought up immune system, you're like, okay, that's also a little bit different. And same thing, like, just because you train in like, you're training for strength and you're recovering and like, you know, a year later, you're stronger. Does that have any correlation at all with other things? And I'm like, truly wondering, I'm not trying to discount training. Cause I mean, that's my livelihood, but I'm wondering, I'm like, is there actually the amount of carryover that like we're seeing when we're scrolling and like, we're hearing testimonials to like this helped me in so many other ways. Like, I wonder if that's kind of like a, just I'm doing something and I'm feeling good about myself. So I'm just feeling good about myself or if there's actual like mental carryover.
2: Yeah, I, that's um, so I don't recall it actually here. These, these are my thoughts on it because I don't recall how much of that was actually talked about in the PN course. And maybe it's because there's not actual research on it or I'm not entirely sure. I think there's some level of transferability because you start to build up wins in your life and that's mm-hmm. a really important thing for growth mindset and that's a really important thing for positive psychology all around you know like things that you can kind of pull out of your back pocket to say like oh I'm I'm actually really good at like self-esteem right. and 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 that's a really key part. I mean, that's an aspect of what good mental health and emotional health is. So I do think that to some extent that helps, but only because you've got a little more of a growth mindset now, and then you still need to actually work on those different dimensions and the things that build resilience and help to, you know, bolster the health of those aspects. So I think, like, think of, um, yeah, you could train all you want. But if you actually don't do anything to improve the relationships in your life, your Mm -hmm. relational health is not going to be any better. Yeah. Or the same thing, like, I think a lot of people drive meaning from training. And once again, going back to my whole concept that flow brings meaning and if you're working out and you're getting flow from working out like meaning is an aspect of that existential and spiritual health Mm -hmm. but also like some people are probably mostly just doing training because of the like the vanity of it and that may be a very empty like existentially empty trunk style of of um uh yeah uh, of doing things too right so there's going to be a gap there for things like that.
1: Hmm.
0: It's interesting. I'm tying back to that second mountain book again. Like that's yeah. a lot of what that kind of vanity or emptiness might be a little bit of like what that initial peak is, right? Those initial goals that we deem really important, but are totally. quite sort of, there's a false sense of purpose hidden behind them once you've reached them.
2: Yeah, but still, I, I do think that there's some value in that. Um, it's helpful to maybe be aware of what that second mountain is or where the path leads, but if it's helping you develop a growth mindset, or if it's helping you even to learn how to get into flow, uh, you know, strongman was one of those keys for me that like really transformed my life because that's when, not that I, not that that was the first time I experienced the flow state, but that's when learning about it, kind of understanding what it was, and then then experiencing it and reflecting on what sort of that kind of like meaning and peak performance felt like um, lead, leads to a lot of those other positive things down the road.
0: Right. So this is, so you have bridged this together quite nicely. You're saying basically, doing things that are a little difficult like it's it's we're talking about goals we're talking about training we're talking about some carryover we're talking about building resiliency we're talking about stress stress management maybe and it sounds like you know have have a bit of a clear goal of what you're working towards pursue that make sure it's a little difficult um, be mindful of like the amount of recovery your body might need yeah. and there's going to be some adaptation with that have a coach if possible or have some form of like immediate feedback whether that's video or whether that's immediate journaling or self-awareness or meditation or whatever yeah. and there a hundred percent will be some type of transferability in that because you're creating more wins and creating more of this growth mindset is there anything else you would add to what a growth mindset is is there some like definitive psychology behind what that is
2: yeah um but really it ultimately comes down to um just not so so there's there's kind of the concept of like locus of control Mm. and where you're attributing control and it's it's in in cases of things that you're successful with versus things that you're not successful with so when we look at growth mindset versus fixed mindset it's mostly around uh a couple of, of different parts to that so in in terms of failure with a fixed mindset we often attribute it internally so we think things like oh i'm i'm just not good at this or think of it in terms of of that versus with a growth mindset it's more along the lines of i maybe didn't have the skills yet but i can get better at this and Mm -hmm. and so it's it's kind of looking at where control lies and and how you kind of also it's, I, I think it ties in really well with the whole just obstacle is the way concept. So if you just think of growth mindset and obstacle is the way it, it's, it's pretty much like, that's all you really need to know about it. So in, in each obstacle or in any setback, there's still a way through as long as you kind of keep that perspective and just don't give up.
0: man. that expression just gets me so fired up. Right. <laughs> not, not like to go train or anything. Right. But just like feeling like, Oh yeah. Like yeah. I'm in the right spot here in that. I love that, man. That's killer, man. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love how you tied that together. I don't know. That seemed to flow really nice seemed to flow really nicely.
2: Oh, I'm glad it did. You know, I've been, um, I I think there's a, there's a couple of good videos on my YouTube channel actually about some of those, those aspects. Cause I'm, I've been meaning to go back and reread once again, reread something, um, mindset, like the, the book from Carol Dweck that talks about a little bit more, but yeah, that's, that really is the key to growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It's like, um, You know, a lot of the, a lot of her research into it, that, that sort of introduced the concept was giving kids these challenging tasks to do, whether they are math puzzles or, or things like that. And -hmm. the kids that showed that they had a growth mindset were like excited to have a challenge that pushed them and made them a little bit uncomfortable. And the, the kids that had more fixed mindsets would give up very quickly. Um, So
0: But how how do you know, like, were the kids born this way? Or is there a way to say, like, this is something developed or this is innate or this is the task was too hard for those kids that presumably have a fixed mindset? So
2: there there are a lot of components to it, right? You can there's um, if you think of everybody having different degrees of growth mindset and fixed mindset is one thing, because it's not like it's not like we're just stamped with, oh, you've got a fixed mindset about everything or you've yeah. got a growth mindset about everything. It's it's like in different situations, in different environments, all of that is, plays into it. Parenting plays into it. Um, yeah, there's nature and there's nurture involved. But the great thing about it is that everybody can get better. Okay. And I think that, Learning and just understanding what growth mindset is—that's why, like, it's that's one of, why it's one of the core teachings and one of the core parts to the the change process and coaching process of PN is because they just realize how valuable that is. It's like, let's uh, like a really concrete example of that is the person that does the New Year's resolution diet and gives up after six weeks. And and you know just attributes that to they cannot lose weight and right. and so that's you repeat that cycle a few times and it kind of kind of becomes stuck until you meet somebody that's willing to like help you see through the process, show you that there are other options. You know maybe those obstacles that are in your way actually show you what the way is, and all of that can lead to more of a growth mindset and then you start to build up a few little wins along the way and you're kind of off in the right direction again
0: totally man and what what a good example because obviously that's so common for people to get into those cycles and i I don't know i'm not sure what the stat is but i'm just going to go out there and someone can correct me but i'm going to say most (laughs) people are not consistent with exercise yeah whatever most means 51 percent (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, that would be most,
0: yeah. yeah. So I, I'm on yeah, the fringe with that it's, one. Uh, but just like the importance yeah. of having a coach when you're stuck in those, you know, those ruts or cycles of both like what you're thinking and not, not recognizing that you're changing. It's yeah. like so, so much of coaching for me too is, is just helping people like truly identify that they are making some changes. Right. And there's commonly yeah. like a distorted, perception of like what they should feel or you know people can we we all can we can really pigeonhole and um we can be blind to the things that are changing if if that main thing that we want to change is not happening like that deep reflection by having a coach or you know someone else that's non-bias or as non-bias as possible i guess is so helpful eh?
2: it definitely is helpful like i'm not gonna um I'm not going to say it's the be-all and all, end alright Like you can do this yeah. yourself too. Totally, you can start develop that. That's that's one of the reasons that, I mean, it's it's a. I don't even remember everything I wrote in it, but like that that Amazon book, yeah. um, One of the reasons was so just because there is a path to being able to coach yourself too, and yeah. develop a growth mindset, and all of those things are, are it's it's doable within yourself too. The problem sometimes, I think the problem that we've been facing lately, and I don't know, maybe it's just all the other circumstances around like trying to have a business, get through a pandemic and stuff, <laughs> but we've we've all had this enormous amount of, of stress thrown on us in, you know, existential stress mm-hmm. is, is a big one. And so it has become harder because we do need you know, we need a level of, of, um, like drive and energy and willpower, even that is sometimes it's, it's harder to get up in the morning and, and get that out of yourself. That's yeah. where sometimes having somebody that can help you externally is really useful right now. But if you do have it in you to like slowly chug along and, and make progress on your own, um, yeah. yeah, there's still a way through too.
0: Yeah. And you know, what? I'm going to include a link to something that I've given as a resource. I mean, this book, I'm going to include the link to this book, if you're cool with it, if it's still relevant enough.
2: I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, I really essentially what it is, is 21 different steps that I wrote from what I thought was a very simple challenge to things that are a lot more difficult which will develop resilience. And I think it applies to different aspects. It's not all physical.
0: I'm going to look back through this book too. Cause I made some notes through here that I read this yeah. book like front, uh, like start to finish, It's not a long book, but it's all very, so I'm actually in here a couple of times too. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff where I've, I realized, you know, if I'm looking at myself to where my kind of overall life progress is. There's some things I'm slipping on, um, so that's definitely nice to reflect and have some compassion and some understanding. I'm gonna yeah. put a I'm gonna put a link to a goal setting guide that uh, that I've created too, which sort of exemplifies and supports something that you're saying too. Like a coach is awesome, and you know you and I are both coaches, but like ultimately we just we're coaches because there's a need for it. So if people can do this on their own and they want, you know, a free resource or like a, I don't know what your book is, like $10.
2: If you buy the, I think like paper one, but it's like, it's like 399 if it's the Amazon like Kindle one that you can read. It's unreal. Sometimes, sometimes actually, I think if you've got Kindle unlimited, it's free.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's some like great free resources, but I think, uh, Anyway, different topic, but sometimes it takes, you know, spending money to get some meat in the game. But anyway, if you want some free resources, guys, like I'll put that, I'll put both of those links, or you know, four dollar, four to ten dollar resource that's really effective if if you follow through with it, right? Eh? Yeah. And if you don't, you fill up your bookshelf and it looks cool. <laughs> <coughs> Man, that was great. I really appreciate you jumping on here.
2: Absolutely, thank you.